0: Welcome to the Butts and Seeds Podcast, episode number 58. We're getting there. I'm Nick, alongside Emily. Hello. Emily, how you doing today?
1: Good. We actually just got back from our engagement photo shoot. Sure. Shout out uh, Michael Crawford Photography. Shouts out.
0: We'll post it probably once this episode kind of comes out. Uh, we did do a few special wrestling pics.
1: <laughs> we did. So keep your eyes peeled on the social media for those, because they were fun. But it was actually a really good session. I'm in, I'm in good spirits. How are you, Nick?
0: I'm doing all right. This was a, uh, this was a decent episode of Nitro. I feel like the quality has been fairly consistent over the last few weeks, but it also st- still doesn't feel like we're really heading anywhere too fast.
1: Yeah, no, we're recording this the day after Clash at the Castle too, so I still have that kind of taste in my mouth. So yeah. I need to switch gears. Yeah,
0: that 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 show broke us a little bit.
1: It really did. We literally watched it because we're in, we're in the states, so we watched it in the afternoon. And we had dinner plans and everything, and we just slumped for the evening. Like, our whole energy went down. We just I laid in bed, had a bit of a depression spiral. Like, it's really hard to be excited about wrestling when that's the main event. It was such a good show, but the main event fucking sucked. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, well, it makes it feel really better. Uh, Roman Reigns is not advertised for Extreme Rules.
1: What that means is we definitely don't have a chance of, him, of seeing him lose the title.
0: Yeah. But who knows what we will see. Oh, but relatedly, we bought tickets to the upcoming Extreme Rules, I guess... We haven't recorded since I told you I bought those tickets.
1: Yeah. So, if anybody's going to be at the Extreme Rules pay-per-view in Philadelphia,
0: so will we. (laughs) So, Emily, before we get into this show, let's talk a little bit about the good old ratings. Because this is the September 27th, 1999 Monday Nitro. You you were convinced we were way further ahead. No,
1: I just thought we were in October. I thought we were in the first episode of October.
0: This show apparently has set the record for, like, biggest ratings gap, at least at the time one of those where all of them are at the time, because I don't know how, how bad it actually gets towards the end. Yeah. That's for segment compared to other segment, because on Raw, it was the This Is Your Life segment with Mick Foley and The Rock, the only good one of those, because I think they've done it three other times, and yeah. it's not been good since.
1: That's like a famous, famous segment on Raw. Yeah. Like, everyone knows that segment.
0: And then the day before that Raw was Unforgiven, probably most known for the Kettle from Hell match.
1: With the dogs? Yes. Oh, God.
0: Those rabid dogs.
1: They were just, they were pups. They were literally just puppies. Dogs wanted to, like, say hi to everyone around. They were not rabid. They weren't even dangerous. They didn't
0: even want to say hi. They were terrified. They were just peeing everywhere. They were
1: peeing everywhere. Oh, poor puppies.
0: But the Raw itself as a whole did a 6.8 compared to Nitro's 3.
1: And segment to segment, does it give you that breakdown?
0: That's incredibly hard to find. People just know the one because it's... The highest, the highest rated raw segment. Yeah, it's a little bit of goalpost moving because yeah. it's not the highest rated wrestling thing ever. Because there's a match that's higher rated. It's Austin and Undertaker. Mm. But in terms of like written segment, it is. Hmm. It did like an eight something compared to uh, the opposing segment, like one point nine or something. Well,
1: yeah, when you see what it's up against, like it, it was a fine match, but it was fine.
0: So I have more notes than usual for this one. So let's get into this.
1: Do you really? Why?
0: I don't know. But as mentioned, is the September 27th, 1999, Monday Nitro, live from Atlanta, Georgia. Not in the Georgia Dome, by the way. No,
1: no, not the Georgia
0: Dome. I don't think they could sell that out anymore. God,
1: no. It's some Phillips arena? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's the Phillips arena.
0: It's the hockey arena. Yeah. Much smaller.
1: Yeah, well, I don't even think it was sold out.
0: So we start backstage. A lot of stuff backstage in this one. Uh, Hulk Hogan's limo arrives, and he's signing autographs for a bunch of kids.
1: Yeah, a whole bunch of kids swarm the limo. Totally not staged and, Totally real. Totally authentic.
0: S- yeah. You, you know how a bunch of kids are allowed in the backstage area? Unattended
1: where- by parents. Running behind the cars.
0: So Sting... Sneaks around the limo and does like a child voice like,
1: hey Hulk, I want to... It was so weird. Sting was weird in this episode. Kind of
0: went, kind of went into Mickey Mouse there. Oh
1: boy. Oh, oh.
0: Yeah, so he baits him in, into an attack and Sting takes out Hogan's knee. Welcome to the main story of tonight. We then go to the Nitro opening. We get last week's recap and then the opening pyro. Commentary checks in. It's Tony and Bobby and um, he drops it during the first match. But Bobby basically has, has had enough. and He's like, the brain is back and he is very salty. All evening.
1: He really is. He's on another level. Like and Tony even points it out a couple of times.
0: I think part of it is also on Tony, because Tony just doesn't react to it uh, a lot of the times he where like He does
1: react to it, but he's like doesn't know what to say to it. Because yeah. Bobby is like heel commentator turned up to a thousand and Tony's just kind of not. I don't think Tony knew that Bobby was going to be doing that tonight, so he didn't really prepare for this level of Bobby.
0: Yeah, he's 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 no girl I'm on soon. We'll say that.
1: Mm.
0: But Tony and Bobby chat. Tony hypes up the main event that now probably isn't happening. Uh, Bobby hypes up the mask versus hair match, mm. and he does say it's like ah, psychosis versus Eddie Guerrero. It's like no, it's it's Kidman, not
1: Eddie.
0: <laughs> I think this is where he shows the photoshopped image of uh, what Billy Kibben will look like bald.
1: He does, yeah. He has this horribly Photoshopped picture of um, Billy Kibben kind of looking like a pinhead.
0: It, honestly, it to me, he looked like Sloth from the Goonies.
1: Maybe, yeah, that too. I kind of want to post it on social media because it was such a still frame. It's such easy. It was such easy material to grab. Yeah. So I might just post it.
0: We then go backstage again. Mike Tanay goes to interview Hulk Hogan, who's hurt and is just is still headed into the building.
1: He turns down medical attention.
0: And then... We go separately backstage to Sting like, with his baseball bat going, apparently I didn't get the job done. I don't know why this camera was here.
1: He's just tapping his bat menacingly.
0: I feel like Sting gets the random camera cuts more than anybody else.
1: No, Sid. Sid gets more random camera cuts than anybody.
0: With Sid, I get why the camera's there. I'm saying with Sting... Like th- there was the one week where he go- he opens the door, sees Randy Savage, and then we get a reverse shot when where we were- there was no camera previously.
1: Sid gets more random backstage segments than Sid. Yes.
0: I I am talking specifically about invisible cameras. We also got the one uh during the White Hammer storyline where we just cut to a random close up of him of like the rear view mirror where he's sitting in the front seat. Yeah, and I'm like It's a good shot. It's a good shot, but you shouldn't be able to get that shot because we can see that there's no camera there. So when you cut to it, it's...
1: You're thinking way too deeply into it. It's a show. Let it be a show. Well,
0: let's go into our first match. It is Ernest Miller, who we have not seen in quite some time. We're not sure who's going to face Star Out, but...
1: What a trip this was because we had that whole segment leading up to it. And then we cut back, wh- right after he's tapping the bat menacingly, we cut back to the arena and all of a sudden the cat's music hits. Burp, burp,
0: burp. Both of us are
1: like, whoa, hold on a second. I have a lot to take in.
0: And then the cat actually walks out and we're like, Jesus Christ.
1: The man is full on Lipard. It wasn't even worth it, who's that Pokemon? Because yeah. he's Lipard. That's That's it.
0: So yeah, because he's in leopard print gear, but it's not matching leopard no. print. Which bothered you? Oh my
1: god, the leopard print on his bucket hat was different than the leopard print on his jumpsuit. Which, my god, is the most 90s sentence I've ever said. Gonna say,
0: like, so the cat does know that it, that it's his hometown, but he'll still whip the whole city. Yeah. What? He then confusingly heels in the crowd and wants a title shot and calls out Sting or whoever will actually give him a title shot.
1: Yeah. Why the fuck would Sting come out? I don't. Know. In what world?
0: This prompts Chris Benoit to come out and answer the call.
1: Also, why the fuck is Chris Benoit coming out?
0: I mean, you know, except all challengers kind of character, but...
1: Again, Benoit's too good for this.
0: Yeah. Which will be a theme of um, tonight's matches. Yeah. But yeah, now we have uh, Chris Benoit versus the cat for the television title. Woo. I don't think I noticed until the match started that that on the cat's ass it says Godfather.
1: It does, which I don't know if I get.
0: I think it's because he's going for the James Brown Godfather of Soul kind of thing. I guess. But it's like, there's a guy on the other show called the Godfather.
1: Yeah. I don't know, this match felt very mismatched and before we even get to the play by play of it, um, this should have been a squash match. This should have been very quick, get the job done, in out. Chris Benoit is, you know, unbeatable. He deserves his title shot with Sting, whatever. It's very much not that.
0: No, and that's very much the case with but half the matches tonight. Yeah.
1: Which is annoying.
0: And I was convinced it was gonna be a squash because like early on Benoit was like having none of the catch shenanigans. Mm-hmm. And then he, the cat just like sneaks an advantage and then gives Benoit a big kick. Aloha cat is denied with a crotch chop and then a punch. And the cat then goes on offense for quite a while. We get a dancing elbow drop, only gets a two. Ono helps the cat choke Chris Benoit. And then the cat hits a, another delayed elbow, but misses a spinning kick. And Benoit hits a clothesline. Sadi so Ono comes in and, and the cat accidentally hits him with the loaded shoe. We then get a German suplex, a diving headbutt, and the crossface from Benoit, and he picks up the win.
1: The fucking shoe. over the shoe. Even the
0: crossface. The cat takes a little while to tap out. And I'm like...
1: This was not enough of a squash to put over Benoit.
0: Yeah. The match itself wasn't bad. It just wasn't what it should have been. No, They seem to want to push guys, but not really push them.
1: During this match, though, we did get Tony asking Bobby, what'd you have for breakfast today? Acid? Then Bobby says, no. Mean Flakes. Double serving.
0: Honestly, I didn't bother taking notes on any of the commentary because I saw that you were, and God. I was like,
1: "He he's on something." It was just a double serving. He strongly says double bowl, which is almost better.
0: So after the match, they start hyping up Halloween Havoc, and in a theme of all of the match graphics, when it cuts from the shot of one wrestler to the other wrestler, there's like a jump scare gargoyle. Like, <laughs> the first
1: like, time it actually got you. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> it like jump scared Nick to the point where we had to back up. And he's like, What the fuck did I just see? It's like a gargoyle sort of thing, you said, yeah. yeah.
0: It's the inflatable gargoyle yeah. kind of thing. By the way, this Halloween Havoc is brought to you by Slim Jim, not Snickers.
1: I'm gonna have to get us some Slim Jims for Halloween Havoc.
0: We didn't get a Sid hype package for some reason. Then we go to our second match, which is Vampiro, no ICP with him, versus Buff Bagwell.
1: In what you deemed the worst outfit he has ever worn. Oh,
0: my God. It's a horrendous look.
1: It, like, personally offended you.
0: He's rocking overalls, but it it's the, you know, the, the, the spray paint design art, whatever. There's a name of whatever that is.
1: I don't know, but it's the kind of art you get on a t-shirt when you go to the boardwalk at the beach.
0: Yeah, or I think now it's just the, 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 there'll be the random kiosk in in the middle of, like, the mall. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh... Airbrush. Airbrush, yes. Airbrush. That's the word I couldn't think yes. of. Yeah, it's not a good look. No. Buff hypes up the crowd and, and then calls them the stuff. It's
1: like, oh. So Atlanta's the stuff. We finally found out who the stuff is.
0: I thought Buff was the stuff.
1: He kept saying to all of his opponents, they're not the stuff. But now we know that Atlanta is the stuff.
0: I think I'm realizing now how many guys on, in WCW are actually from Atlanta.
1: Well, WCW itself is Atlanta. Yeah, but like
0: WWF is from you know Connecticut. There's, there's Nobody's only...
1: from Connecticut. Not one person can deem Connecticut their home. Who the fuck is from Connecticut?
0: I think Triple H, at least in k
1: In k In real, I'm talking real life. Have you ever come across a person in your real day-to-day life that is from Connecticut?
0: I feel like you would say that about half the states. We
1: live on the East Coast. I've met someone from fucking Vermont. Like, come on. No one's from Connecticut. I know a guy from Rhode Island.
0: I'm just saying in general, half the states in the US, you'd be like, no one lives there. I just came back from Montana and you're like...
1: No one lives in Montana.
0: Wyoming, Idaho.
1: Famously, Wyoming is the least populated United State. No one lives in Wyoming.
0: Just saying in general, people live places. No, they don't. (laughs) Anyway, Vampiro hits a spin kick to start and works over Buff with kicks and a bulldog and then a diving spin kick. Vampiro mildly lands a monkey flip, but then is caught with a clothesline. He bails to the outside and is immediately brought back in and then Buff hits a back body drop. Just... Weird, like Okay, you're out. Now yeah. back in. Okay. Back outside, Vampiro slams Buff onto the stairs and then drops him onto the barricade. We get a rest hold that gets two arm drops from Buff. Like, ooh, he might be dead. And then Buff starts to come back, but is stopped with a nail in the coffin, which has no ceremony to it. No, Co- not at all. Commentary doesn't even note it. And then a diving clothesline. Like, it, it's a transition move. Mm-hmm. Buff hits a very sloppy atomic drop, but Vampiro hits an insiguri. He puts Buff up on the top rope and Buff counters whatever Vampiro was going for, then hits a blockbuster and gets the win.
1: Yay.
0: Again, wasn't bad. I just kinda hate Buff and
1: Don't care about Vampiro.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't seem like either these guys are on pace to go do anything.
1: Do you think now that Scott Steiner's back, he and Buff will do anything? Is he back? I supposedly.
0: <laughs> Spoilers, Scott Steiner's not on this show. I don't know what the hell the plan is or was, but um, yeah, he's just not here. Rick Steiner will be on this show. No mention of Scott at all.
1: No. Yeah. But when Scott does come back, do you think that they'll do anything with him and Buff?
0: I don't think so. I think they wrapped that up as much as they wanted to. Yeah. Even at the time, it didn't seem like they really wanted to do that match. Yeah. Plus, there's more money in Scott Steiner being elevated than Buff being elevated. Is there? That's what they end up doing. So, we have a debate with the next uh, two segments. Because Tony and Bobby are suddenly talking and then we hear over the PA Tony.
1: Like a spooky dream voice. Yeah,
0: and then it cuts to like a it it kinda came off like a Twilight Zone ripoff kind of. It's a dream sequence. Well, it starts with like a window like out in space and it has a bunch of clouds going through it. I think this is different from the next segment. But let's go through the next segment. And I actually did peek back at this. They go to commercial after that. The way it's presented on Peacock is it goes straight through. But it fades for commercial. And then they come back from commercial. And then we get the weird funeral thing we're about to talk about. I
1: don't think that makes any sense. Because the funeral thing is also a dream sequence.
0: We'll talk about them both once we go through the, uh, the dream sequence. Because we go to the funeral of Lex Luger. And I'm like, what? they like, yep, yeah, Lex is no longer with us. They have, they have ghost Lex mm-hmm. talking to us the whole time. I didn't listen to a word of what no. he said. I was just bewildered.
1: I think he was reading his own eulogy. Like, here lies Lex Luger. Yeah,
0: I just wrote what is happening in all caps. There's a, a very veiled woman in uh, all black and then all white. She throws flowers into a grave. And then we go to the arena and she, like, honestly, kind of impressively d- does a costume change where she... Like just takes it all off at once to reveal it's Miss Elizabeth in a fairly nice in a nice dress, and it was like, okay, so that's who I assumed because you're Luger's manager.
1: I didn't, I didn't remember her being with him.
0: Apparently, what this is meant to be is we can't call him Lex Luger anymore. He's just the total package,
1: which is dumb. And I'm gonna continue to call him Lex Luger. So why did they do this? Change his name? I don't fucking know. Oh, I figured you might like find something. No, there
0: was nobody had anything. I don't think anyone cares enough because he gets called Luger like twelve times today. Yeah. So the total package is in the ring, and he flexes for everybody. This did prompt me to show Emily the clip from uh, Rumble ninety three of Bobby Heenan losing his shit.
1: I hate this gimmick because all he does is stare into the camera and flex. It's not a character. It's not a gimmick.
0: And for those curious, I am waiting to show, I don't even know what waiting for what, but I am waiting to show Emily the um, the pose down between Triple H and Scott Steiner. I
1: have no interest in that. I've seen enough of it. I'm, that's plenty. S-
0: same. And I partially showed you the Rumble 93 clip because Bobby Heenan is very into this segment and I'm <laughs> like, you would be Bobby. And I'm committing to calling in the total package because no. I want to highlight how dumb it is. I don't want them to just get off without just calling him Luger. No. Okay, so... I'm gonna
1: call him Luger.
0: So, I am pretty sure I recognize the, the voice in the opening thing that interrupts Tony. Because there will be a wrestler debuting soon-ish, within the next month or two, called Seven. And uh, I don't want to spoil too much about it. There is a whole thing with like with, with like a window in one of the upcoming vignettes.
1: Okay, you know what? If this comes back and it does end up being for another wrestler and another thing, I'll concede. But right now, that was dream sequence into dream sequence, so there's no reason why the dream sequences would not be intertwined. And it doesn't even matter if there's a commercial break in between. It's a dream sequence into a dream sequence. If this comes back, I'll I'll concede.
0: And just while we're on the topic, we were talking about this during the show. We think I might have been right about the... Um... The pianist not being related to Sid because it never came back up, but we, we don't know for sure. I,
1: I can't give you that one because just the, your your whole reasoning behind that is it never came back. That's not enough for me.
0: I mean, I thought it was separate to begin with and just like, yeah. And it,
1: because it never came back, I can't guarantee that it didn't have anything to do with Sid.
0: Yeah. Joke's on us. It's been all over like Thunder and fucking. Maybe. And uh, Saturday Night or never They're <laughs> like, oh, you don't know this fucking guy? But yeah, so this was a dumb segment with a I think we would call it a payoff, but just a, d- a dumb premise as a whole. Oh yeah. How long are they gonna stick with this, you think?
1: Till Halloween Havoc.
0: Luger just vanishes for periods of time. So I'm wondering just like, is he just gonna randomly vanish again and he'll come back and be like it's Lex Luger, okay.
1: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. They can't can, they can't call him the total package forever.
0: We then go backstage and Hogan's knee is hurt and he's telling the doc to just like cut his pants off. I'm like, all right. So Sting comes in and just bashes his knee again with, with the bat.
1: The medical guy didn't really do anything to stop it. Like, what a dick.
0: I will note, they clearly have found a gimmicked baseball bat. Yeah. It seems that way because, or at least, God, I hope so, because they are fully swinging it at each other.
1: Oh, maybe it's just like hollow.
0: See, if it's hollow, it's going to break real easily. Mm. So I, I don't really know exactly what it is, but...
1: Maybe they just committed to getting hit with baseball bats.
0: I hope not, because Hogan later on swings this thing full fucking force at, at uh, the uh, total package. Mm. And, he, uh, and hits him, I should note. It's yeah. not like, you know, sometimes they'll do the wild chair shot. and think, Okay, well, clearly you weren't going to hit him. So yeah, so Hogan's b- probably out of the main event. It definitely seems at this point. Yeah. Let's move into our next match, which had me salivating. It is Rey Mysterio versus Dean Malenko. And I'm like, inject it into my veins.
1: <laughs> Nick had to watch this match twice because he could not bring himself to look away from the, the screen.
0: Ironically, I watched it again and I didn't, I didn't add any notes because I actually got enough the first time. God. And it should be noted, I did not say Rey with the filthy animals versus Dean with the revolution because everybody gets sent to the back like right at the start.
1: Mm-hmm. Which I, I kind of appreciate. Yeah. Because then you know that Shane Douglas is going to do some fuckery.
0: And especially with these teams, I guess, I guess still both being faces. It's like, okay, yeah, no, th- this is about like honor and being better than each other. Yeah. So they trade technical and quick moves early on. It's just fantastic. Uh, they trade shots on the top rope and then both end up falling to the floor. Ray's look does take me out of this match a little bit.
1: Oh, I was just so focused on how damn good he is at wrestling.
0: I know. but his- I didn't
1: even take note of his look.
0: It's it's just it makes me sad because I I just want him to be in the mask.
1: Didn't I didn't even take note of it. I just all I wrote was Ray is so damn good.
0: Yeah. Ray rolls through a power bomb and the, and the two trade pin attempts. Ray tries for a springboard hurricane rana but Dean catches it with a big sit out power bomb. Dean counters another move into a tilt a whirl backbreaker and then locks in a clover leaf, and we go to fucking picture and picture. <sighs> And it's like, oh, hey, Sid's here, and I'm like, fuck off. I love Sid, and I'm still like, reason. There was
1: no reason to cut to Sid entering the arena, like, oh, it was so offensive.
0: Ray rolls through a Dean maneuver and crucifix pins Dean, and it's like that's that's the match, and this was utterly fantastic. Oh, this was an excellent match. Like, go longer, please.
1: Could have gone longer. Didn't need to be interrupted for no goddamn reason. Yeah. Ray is so impressive in the ring. He's just so fucking good. I don't know how else to like categorize him. He's just damn good. Yeah. (laughs) He has such incredible body control and awareness of his surroundings. He's just so mesmerizing to watch.
0: Yeah. This was fantastic, but not a classic. I mean, partially because it's so short. They kind of just. Yeah. They started in a high gear, but it doesn't seem like. It didn't seem like they started in the highest gear and stayed there. They kind of just were in a high gear and kind of coasted at that point, which. You know, even these two coasting is still going to be a good match. So yeah. I don't know if I'd say go seek this one out, but it was still very good.
1: I don't know. Of all the matches on this card to seek out, like, yeah, if you're going to pick one from this show, watch this one.
0: Okay. Interesting. We'll talk more about the other one that I would say maybe maybe watch a little later on. It's not the next match, although... I'm shocked. Although we kind of knew what to expect from this one and um, didn't really get what we expected. It is Hugh Morris with Jimmy Hart versus Goldberg. Goldberg just seems to be working his way through the first family. Yeah. Jimmy Hart tells Goldberg that he's next, and then we get the full Goldberg entrance. Goldberg hits a drop kick early and then hits a very stiff standing side kick. And it's like, oh God, I, I uh, really hope you loosen that up going forward. Sure, <laughs> sure would be a shame if you kept the uh, stiffness of that kick.
1: Hmm, <laughs> anyway.
0: We get a stalling power slam from Goldberg. Jimmy Hart then distracts the ref, and um, Sid is suddenly at ringside. He hits one chair shot at the back of Goldberg, and this it basically might as well have been a bullet to the chest. Seriously. Because Goldberg just barely does anything until the finish at that point. And I'm like, this might have been believable if it wasn't Hugh Morris. I'm like,
1: that's the thing. This is another one of like, it was a good match undercut by the obvious winner not being put over. Yeah. Or I guess the obvious loser being put over.
0: We didn't need to enhance Hugh Morris here. And no,
1: and by enhancing Hugh Morris, you devalue Goldberg.
0: And it didn't even feel like you even, you know, enhance Hugh Just you trying kind of isn't, like, that's not why this match should be here. Right. But yeah, Morris actually gets some offense, and I couldn't tell what he was going for, but Goldberg was either, like, dizzy or blind at various points. <laughs> I'm like, what?
1: I want to th- I want to say dizzy because there's no reason he should have been blind. There's no reason he should have been dizzy. I don't know.
0: Morris hits no laughing matter at one point, but Goldberg kicks out, and I was like, oh shit! Goldberg suddenly powers up, hits a big spear, jackhammer pin. Again, wasn't bad, but Morris's offense just isn't fun. Mm-mm. So, like compared to the Brian Nob stuff, where I'm like, okay, you know, they're using weapons, it's a bit, but it's a bit of fun. But this no. was just like this is just wrestling. Goldberg grabs a mic, and I forget what he actually said, but it didn't sound like he knew he had to cut a promo.
1: He said something along the lines of, I've never been more serious about kicking one man's ass.
0: Oh, yeah. But before that, he's like, I guess I have more time or something like that. I was like, oh. Oh, yeah, I don't know. And he also said that it ain't who's left, it's who's next. We will get some shenanigans with Goldberg later in the night and next week, because...
1: Shenanigans.
0: The, um, the shenanigans... Are a bit popular with the Botchmania kind of community, <laughs> but it's not quite the week I thought it was. I don't think I realized that this thing is split up into multiple weeks.
1: <laughs> oh, good.
0: Backstage, an ambulance leaves, which- We don't ma-
1: see an ambulance get loaded or anything. It just kind of drives off.
0: And the ambulance is gone. Remember that.
1: It drove away, yes.
0: We then go to the Nitro Girl tryout package. We have Gene again, thank God. and He brings out Kimberly and Storm. I had to confirm, I'm like, okay, yeah, you are Charbel. Right. Got it.
1: She just got inducted in the Hall of Fame.
0: And Emily, who are our two contestants this week?
1: So our two contestants are Celentria and Jamie. Selentria, we don't know where she's from because her segment started out muted and they did not get the the sound on for her segment until after they said where she was from. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't go back and restart it or anything or like clarify. It just started muted. Uh Cylentria is a Miss Georgia competitor and a Falcons cheerleader.
0: Yeah, she said something about Miss America, but that was, like, right as it was, the audio so was being faded So, the way back Miss up.
1: America works is you can't become Miss America without becoming Miss your state. Okay. So, she's competing to become Miss Georgia with the hopes to one day become Miss America. Okay. But she's also a Falcons cheerleader. Yeah. And then Jamie.
0: <laughs> can, I, can I tell you what I wrote about Jamie? I don't want to see if anything to add. Sure. She likes to dance.
1: That's kind of it. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie just likes to pop and lock and jam and break
0: in terms of quality doesn't
1: get that reference
0: in terms of qualifications this might have might as well have been fucking Goldberg versus Hugh Morris it was like all right yeah. one of these people should be going over in a big way
1: oh yeah it's no brainer Solyntria should absolutely be the the Atlanta winner
0: And honestly based on everyone else we've seen I feel like she probably should win it all she should That said, we never found out who won last week.
1: No, we did not. (laughs) They never said who won Cincinnati.
0: Yeah. uh, And then next week is Kansas City. Yes. Which I will note now, they are going to the Kemper Arena. And I want to say this is the first major wrestling show in that arena since Over the Edge 99. Oh, shit. Yeah.
1: That's kind of morbid.
0: Yeah. Brett will have a nice thing there next week.
1: I feel like if I was Brett, I would want to sit that show out.
0: I can see that.
1: I, don't, I wouldn't want to be in that building. I wouldn't want to wrestle in that arena.
0: It's a Owen Hart tribute match.
1: Still. Yeah. I, I mean. I would not want to wrestle in that arena.
0: It was his own idea. Oh. So I, I, I do get what you mean, though.
1: That's just so cursed. And it's so soon still.
0: Yeah. It's been five months. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a fun transition to our next match. Evan, anyway. Evan Courageous versus Berlin, which... This this match made Emily tap out for the night. She's like, no, oh, I'll yeah. watch this tomorrow.
1: I was done for the night.
0: Yeah, because we also see a recap of Brad Armstrong making the save last week. And I'm like, oh, God, are they going to do Berlin versus Brad Armstrong on Halloween Havoc?
1: Probably. Because
0: if they weren't, like, this is the week you would do it.
1: Yeah, they're probably going to do it at Halloween Havoc. Ooh. Berlin has nothing to do. They don't know how to write him. They don't know how to push him.
0: Uh, ZZ Top is here.
1: Cool. Literally, before they even said who it was, they panned to an old guy in the audience, the long beard, and I said, "Hey, look, it's ZZ Top," jokingly.
0: Oh, I thought I thought you were being genuine. no, I
1: was not being genuine. I just saw an old man with a long beard, and then later on, they're like, "And ZZ Top is in the audience." I was like, "Oh fuck, I'm so good."
0: ZZ Top is here. Uh, Uda is not. I think I think Uda is fully gone. Done, yeah, I don't blame him. I I'll miss how awful she was, but
1: yeah, her. she didn't add anything.
0: I guess I shouldn't say awful. It's more aggressively not good.
1: She had a character, and she was sticking to her character. It just wasn't a good character.
0: Well, she she couldn't cut a promo. No. When you're the mouthpiece and you can't cut a promo, that's a problem.
1: She was supposed to be like the translator, who was also just as stoic and businesslike. Yeah. She wasn't supposed to be a good promo. She was. She had a character.
0: Okay, you can do stoic promos well. Chris Jericho made a living off that for like three years. Oh,
1: very different vibes. I would never liken what would have wanted to be to Jericho. Absolutely not.
0: No, Chris, in like 2008.
1: Still, no, not the same at all.
0: I'm just saying, when you're when you're a mouthpiece for a wrestler, you need to be able to talk. And
1: no, I agree, but I don't think she was getting any help backstage either. I don't think she well, had a writer. Not. I don't think anybody was helping write these segments.
0: Oh, no, there was definitely a writer. Remember, we, we noted she was, we could see her reading off of cue cards. So, Berlin demands total silence for his match. And I'm like, Ooh, are you sure you want to do that? Well,
1: you... commentary even noted that's the one way to get what you don't want.
0: Well, I was saying you might make Evan Courageous feel really at home wrestling to no crowd noise. Ooh, are you sure you want to?
1: Rude. <laughs> rude.
0: I'm sure he's a lovely guy. <laughs> Berlin begs off almost immediately in the match and then pokes Courageous in the eye. And I'm like, oh, God, you need to cheat to beat Evan Courageous? Yeah. Berlin puts Courageous down with a high knee. And then we do the, oh, is the wall going to punch him spot? And it's like, just just hit him.
1: Yeah, the wall just kind of like hesitates a lot. Yeah. Why is he here?
0: Berlin gets crotched on the top rope and Courageous hits a diving cross body. Courageous goes for a springboard move, but the wall makes him slip and then punches him get a neckbreaker to Courageous, and Berlin gets the pin. Woo. Post-match, Berlin locks in a submission hoop that's so lame, the fucking Steiner recliner is blushing. <laughs> Think, oh, God, there's, like, wh- where's the point of anything? Brad Armstrong comes out, but then just gets beat down and uh, yeah, like
1: immediately stomped down by Berlin and the guard.
0: Honestly, the biggest intrigue in this beat down was watching the wall try to hold on to his sunglasses, and then they ended up falling off.
1: Yeah, see, I like that for a character moment. Like he has sunglasses, he wears his sunglasses. I think that's fine.
0: Wears his sunglasses at night, so he can what? Shit! Um,
1: oh, you don't know the next lyric.
0: I don't think I know the next lyric. I just know it's just so I can, so I can,
1: so he can what though? See. I don't know it. I just assumed <laughs> oh you to know it.
0: So, this is another weird squash where I'm like, stop giving the guy you're not trying to push so much offense.
1: I can't tell who they were trying to push here Berlin. Yeah.
0: More than Evan Courageous. By I the don't way- know.
1: Evan Courageous has been coming out and like having matches every week.
0: Oh, by the way, update on Evan Courageous. I'm pretty sure that Cruiserweight title match he won for Thunder did not happen.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Cool.
0: And, um,. No money and Lodi this week. Yes. No even mention of the cruiserweight no. title. We then go backstage and Goldberg is looking for Sid but can't find him. But does take his car keys from the guy in Sid's locker room. I
1: guess it was a valet.
0: Shitty valet. I don't know. It's fucking...
1: like a parking attendant or something. Yeah. It's just
0: like okay, cool. Here's this other guy's keys. Like that's isn't your job to make sure that exactly that doesn't happen.
1: Yeah. No. He did a very bad job. Nick, I will give you thirty-six thousand dollars. If you know who sings Sunglasses at Night. I
0: don't know.
1: No guesses? Flock of Seagulls. You would think. I thought it was Flock of Seagulls. No, I didn't think it was. No, Corey Hart.
0: Okay. Any relation to Brett?
1: No, I don't know. But it's um, so he can watch you weave, then breathe your storylines.
0: Okay. We then go somewhere else backstage and fucking David Flair is here. Oh, Also, yes. I I literally cannot remember from the last time if, when we saw David Flair. Was it's his,
1: been a minute.
0: What, no, I'm saying was his hair bleached blonde yeah. last oh, time? Yeah, it was. Okay. Oh
1: yeah, I remember noting it because it's bad.
0: He then makes a call and is trying to reach Tori. He doesn't know where she is. We'll come back to this later. I don't know why we had to do this
1: riveting content. Literally, the whole segment is looking for Tori. Do you know where she is? Can you give me that number? That's it.
0: Yeah. We then go to our next match. It's the Wyndhams with Kurt Hennig and Emily. What do they call the other member uh, of the West Texas Rednecks? Vincent. What do they call him, though? to. Vincent. They call him Curly Bill. They sure don't. Versus Harlem Heat for the tag team titles. This is a uh, very basic match from these oh, two. Yeah. They, I'm like, they start slow until Booker shows his quickness, and then it slows back down.
1: Barry Wyndham is not looking good. I don't know what's different. I think he's just. I, he's looking his age in this. He's looking older and pudgier. And i it's just, it's not good. I
0: don't even think he's honestly that old.
1: That's what I'm saying. Like, he just kind of looks like an old man. It's bad.
0: They go to commercial, and then when we come back, we see Kurt Heading cheating.
1: But right before they go to commercial, I like the split second before they cut to black, you get Bobby yelling, Kick him.
0: It's like, all right, sure. That's it. Rednecks work over Booker. Curly Bill gets on the no. apron, and then. Everything gets real messy for the finish of this match. Oh, yeah. Everyone just kind of brawls as Kenda Windham has about a three-minute long chat with the referee in the corner. <laughs> Stevie Ray comes in and hits Barry in the knee with the title belt. Booker gets the pin. I don't know if Booker saw that Stevie Ray cheated. I don't know. Because Bobby Heenan points out the hypocrisy where it's like, to Tony, it's like, if the If the Rednecks did that, you'd be going like, oh, this is a travesty.
1: Bobby also goes on a rant saying that refs need to stop whining about how hard their job is because all they need to do is call the match.
0: What I'm wondering is, are they already setting up a heel turn or breakup with Harlem Heat?
1: I feel like they've been teasing that for so long.
0: Well, they also teased the team getting together for about, you know, for months and months. Yeah. Emily, I might need to break your heart a little bit.
1: My heart's already broken.
0: This and a little bit of next week... Is the end of the West Texas Rednecks.
1: That's not a heartbreaker. That's shocking though. Yeah. Why be- is that?
0: Uh, the Wyndhams get released soon. Barry's ne- not mm-hmm. even on next week. Good. Uh, yeah. Kurt will be in a singles match and fucking Curly Bill will stick around for a little while and Who? wrestle as Curly Bill. But no. Yeah. let just
1: be cheap. Why are <laughs> they keeping him? Yes.
0: He, he very much is. Oh, there's a story of. Um, I don't even remember who it is, but I think it was when Vincent like first joined the NWO where WWE was in negotiations for somebody else to basically be the black guy in the NWO. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, yeah. And then somebody else came in and was like, yeah, I'll do it for like 25% of what you're offering this guy. God. And it was Vincent. And it's no, like, you're
1: worth, man. No,
0: he does. That's the problem. Up but- your
1: own worth. Love yourself. Love yourself.
0: But we'll yeah, we'll chat a little bit more about them next week. But yeah, this is the last match of the Wyndoms on the podcast.
1: Damn. What a bummer. I won't ever have to question my knowledge of who's who.
0: But that also means th- there's no new songs and that's the end of Good Old Boy.
1: Good Old Boy was always second tier to I Hate Rap.
0: I laugh at them still having the shirts for that and they have just mm. like disowned the song.
1: I know. I miss I Hate Rap.
0: Like I said, we'll we'll chat a little bit more about them next week. But let's uh, let's go backstage. Goldberg makes a very vague phone call,
1: calling a tow truck, and you would only know if it was it was a tow truck if you were looking because the camera zooms into the word towing. That's it. Very short vignettes backstage. Yeah,
0: we go back to the ring for our next match. It's Rick Steiner versus Van Hammer. Yep. Why? And apparently, this was supposed to be Van Hammer versus Sid for the U.S. title.
1: Why would it ever be Sid?
0: I don't know. Apparently, Fan Hammer's been calling out Sid. Do, do you know, Has he? Do you know why Sid apparently was not in this match? Why? It's like, oh, my allergies are real bad that I can't wrestle. I respect that. Not, not to be confused with him missing WWE dates in 97 to go play softball.
1: It's very, I have to go, my horse is sick, I think he's dying. But he,
0: it's like, he didn't even leave. He's like, I just can't wrestle, I'll do the backstage stuff.
1: I respect it. See, Sid's a man who knows his worth. And why the fuck would he waste his time wrestling Van Hammer?
0: Yeah, so Rick Steiner wrestles at his place. No Scott Steiner with him. No mention of him. Like, all right, whatever. Rick grabs the mic, says he's the DFG and the nightmare you can't wake up from. (laughs) He's like, Van Hammer, you've been calling out Sid? I'm like, what?
1: When? When and why? Cite your sources.
0: Van Hammer comes out in a Triple H cosplay. (laughs) Steiner just beats down Hammer for pretty much all this match.
1: See, this was at least good. This was more of a squash than the other two were.
0: I agree with the second half of that that statement.
1: Good as in, like, it made sense.
0: Yeah. Not a
1: good match.
0: Hammer hits a jumping axe handle from the apron onto Rick on the floor, and then Rick's just back on offense. We do get a weird moment of Steiner mounts Hammer is like, rubbing his face into the mat while giggling.
1: Like, maniacally giggling.
0: Hammer hits a shoulder block, a DDT, and then an Alabama slam-type move, and then he goes for a submission hold. Uh, Charles Robinson just, like physically stops him from doing it. Rick Steiner then points over there and is like, Charles, don't look at what I'm about to do. And then Charles Robinson acts blind (laughs) and Steiner just low blows hammer. Then hits the Steiner bulldog and for some reason, Charles Robinson does a fast count. Like, you didn't need to.
1: No. No, I think that the only thing that came out of this match that's important is it reminds the audience that Charles Robinson's a heel, in case you forgot.
0: But even then, he's been holding up the the, the uh, Sid sign, so I didn't forget.
1: Yeah, he's a heel. But that also wasn't really being a ref. He's just holding up signs.
0: Yeah, but he's coming out with. It's just
1: remember that he works for all of the heels.
0: Yeah, Ugh, I still don't get why Van Hammer was getting a US why title shot. Why was Van Hammer here? I don't know. I just wrote not good.
1: Yeah, it was a match.
0: Let's move forward. We get clips of uh, Bret Hart getting hit with a baseball bat. In the words of Mean Gene, in the mush. In the mush. They get a Mean Gene interview with Bret Hart, and Gene starts by noting that Hogan's probably out tonight.
1: Yeah. We don't get the confirmation, but probably.
0: Hart then starts his promo and says the name Lex Luger almost immediately. Yeah. He says he has no respect for Luger or Sting, but says he is surrounding himself with people he respects.
1: Which just must have been so painful for him to say.
0: <laughs> yeah, th- this is a rough promo for Bret.
1: calls Hogan the Elvis Presley of wrestling.
0: Yeah. What? What? <laughs> Rick Flair then randomly comes out and Brett goes, you know, you really are the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. This poor
1: man's had a rough year. And I have to say this shit.
0: Yeah. Flair then just kicks the promo into 12th gear.
1: He hijacks it. Yeah. It's Flair's promo now.
0: He says they're going to kick Luger, Sting, in DDP's ass. He goes absolutely insane, starts doing Luger posing, which did make me laugh. And then is just elbow dropping and wrestling the mat. Crown's hot for it. Mm-hmm. And then in a line you didn't like, he like he said he'll ride Liz too if she gets involved.
1: Ugh. Yeah. See, it just sounds dirty.
0: Yeah. And then um, one last little twist of the knife. Brett hops back in the mic at the end and is like, this one's for Hogan. God. Like, he must be thrilled about all this.
1: I just hope he's getting money. I hope oh. they're actually paying him. Oh, yeah.
0: He is. So I guess we have a handicap match later on.
1: Yeah. Sounds like it. I At this point, I'm still anticipating a run-in from Hogan like halfway through.
0: Yeah. But yeah. I wasn't sure if it was going to be a run-in after a DQ or it was going to be he gets on the apron and then tags in and clears house, but yeah. like, clearly Hogan's coming back.
1: Hogan will be here tonight.
0: Commentary, trust the camera about the two advertised matches, and then we go backstage.
1: Oh, can I run this one? <laughs> sure. Oh, Please. So we go backstage back to David Flair on the phone. And he finally got a hold of Tori. He has Tori's phone number. So he calls her and he says, where are you? I waited for you at the airport the whole time. And we cut to Tori. Tori is sitting on the couch next to Billy Kidman and with the rest of the filthy animals behind her. And they're all like trying to give her lines to say on the phone. They're all like shushing each other or whatever. And she's like, Tori says, no, no, no. I was on the plane. I got off the plane. You weren't there. I don't know what to tell you. I got I'm off the plane. I'm in the airport, though. It didn't make any sense. Her story didn't make any sense.
0: No, he did not. But, but, like,
1: but I, the whole time, Billy Kimmins next to her, and Ray is kind of fucking with him, and they're like, all oh, it's so it's such a bro moment. And Tori is just like, ah, I saw the airport. I'll be there eventually, babe. Like it's fine. And David's like, who's behind you? Who else is there? Who's with you? And she's like, nobody, nobody. It's fine. Tori's turning on David. I did. <laughs> I love it. I did
0: call him David Cuck in this segment.
1: Jesus, I love it though. She's cheating on him. He's getting what he deserves. And she's going with the true prince of this. She's turning down the frog and marrying the prince.
0: Ironically, we don't see Tori later, so I guess she's, st- she's still trying to keep her kayfabe.
1: Yeah, she's trying to keep it quiet. She can't let her boyfriend know that he- she's cheating on him.
0: Elsewhere backstage, Sid finds out that Goldberg t- took his keys. But speaking previously of the filthy animals, we're going to get one of them in a match against one of the members of the Revolution coming up next. <laughs> Again. Which, yeah, it's a common theme, although... This probably is the least interesting uh, combo. Yeah. Actually, no. It could have been Shane Douglas versus Conan, but this is Perry Saturn versus Conan.
1: Luckily for us, we don't get a Shane Douglas match.
0: I, I'm pretty sure he's hurt. because so He definitely does seem to be holding his arm in a way where it's like, yeah, okay, maybe. this this is sore. By the way, this is the match we mentioned earlier that goes opposite this is your life.
1: So if you saw Conan and Perry Saturn on your screen... Wouldn't you kind of flip over to see what the competitor's doing? Come on.
0: It's been a little while since we had Conan come out for a match. And I did write, Conan comes out to Ray's theme. It, it, it's consistent Are you sure? Now. Kidman comes out to it later. I think that's just now the Filthy Animals theme. Okay. But it, it is the theme that Ray was has been using for months. Okay. Once Conan's out in the ring, he cuts a kind of new promo. It's most of the major points, but... He, he did stop talking about the, the strawberries, strawberries and the for life. Yeah. And
1: it's basically the same Spanglish promo, but instead of it being but the NWO, it's the filthy animals.
0: He does fuck up his end line, though. Does he? Yeah, because what's the usual end line?
1: Bowdy, bowdy, and rowdy, rowdy. Yeah, he just
0: says bowdy once.
1: Oh, I didn't catch that.
0: Yeah. Also, his pants are very yellow.
1: This man is electric. Boogie, woogie, woogie.
0: Conan hits a few arm drags early on and then a spin around bulldog. Saturn hits a sidekick and then catches Conan's rolling clothesline and hits an overhead belly-to-belly suplex. Saturn starts working over the arm and concluding a belly-to-belly with the arm pinned behind Conan's back. Saturn gets an arm bar in on Conan, but he gets to the ropes. We then get a double clothesline from the two and we go to commercial. Back from commercial, we get a top rope T-bone suplex from Saturn, and then Saturn goes up top and hits his diving elbow drop, which is very pretty looking. Mm-hmm. Saturn hits another suplex, but Conan kicks out. Then goes to the second rope incredibly slowly. It was like, yeah. weird how, like, how slow he was I moving for it. the
1: slowness.
0: Well, because Conan gets up and then like flips him off the, the second oh, rope. Oh, so he
1: was waiting for Conan to get up.
0: Yeah. Then get a rolling clothesline from Conan, not selling the arm. Uh, back kick and the spin around face buster. I never get why he has to spin around for that the way he mm. does. It's just always very like, nope, this is a thing. Then a bunch of cruiserweights run into the ring and attack Conan. I did not get the whole list of who it was. We...
1: It was just a bunch of the, uh, like, I, for lack of a better term, the luchas.
0: Silver King comes in and is having mm-hmm. a fucking blast with the camera.
1: It was Chavo, Silver King, Psychosis, Juventud.
0: I think there was like um, two more.
1: I can't think of who else.
0: I don't know. Maybe, maybe El Dandy was maybe there for El El all we know.
1: Why would we doubt El Dandy?
0: So the filthy animals come in to make the save- So then Perry Saturn and Eddie Guerrero start brawling until the revolution show up at ringside and Shane Douglas pulls Saturn out of the ring and the revolution argue as they go to the back. It's like, I don't need your help.
1: Which is very akin to what happened last week.
0: I did like the the story beat here of Mm. Shane Douglas kind of is right. You are in this situation with no backup. Like this can go very wrong for you. Yeah,
1: he's right. But, you know, didn't go about it right, I guess. I don't know, It wasn't a bad match. Like, it wasn't a bad showing by Conan. I was very impressed by Conan in this. But it was, you know, a fine match. It was fine. Not one that I would go back to.
0: Yeah, he still is moving pretty sluggish. I don't know why he keeps trying to have this kind of more up-tempo offense. He just, he can't do it. But, yeah, this was, this was fine. It wasn't bad. It was fine. But then go backstage. I feel like I, that's the theme of the night.
1: Yeah, we go from for weeks on weeks to never going backstage to one episode we go back every other match.
0: And it's it's very incremental updates because Sid finds his car, but not his keys.
1: So he's got to go back inside and look for his keys.
0: And then as he walks away, a tow truck pulls right up to the car when he leaves. That's it. Yep. And then we'll get an update on this in about two minutes because then we get a DDP flare video package and then backstage in the parking lot, Goldberg tells the tow truck driver to have it back by 11. So we don't really know what's gonna happen. Just the car's gonna leave and be back by eleven.
1: Yeah, and that's it.
0: Yeah, I, we won't see that again until literally the last seconds. Yes. Of the show.
1: That's what takes us off the air.
0: When they get Mean and Gene at the bottom of the ramp, he's here to interview. According to him, three-time WCW champion DDP, and I'm like, he's a two-time, he's a
1: two-time, two-time, two-time.
0: DDP tells the people to shut the hell up, and then he prompts even more boos, and. He and Gene get very snarky with each other, but it's a good bit of better. It is. It's a it's proper ban.
1: The whole like gist of this is you guys are just jealous of me because I have a hot wife. Yeah. That's the that's the cliff notes.
0: Yeah, because he first says that people love him because he's married to the most beautiful woman in the world, Kimberly. He also says that people hate him because he's married to the most beautiful woman in the world, Kimberly. And he goes, and you know they'll never forget me. You know why, Gene? Do like, because you're married to the most beautiful... I like. I get what you're doing. He's like, no, stupid. <laughs> Apparently it's because he delivers the goods.
1: And he has a the hot wife, Kimberly.
0: DDP also does seem to like very quickly slip up and catch himself by saying the name Luger. And then be like, <laughs> the total package.
1: It's dumb. Call him Luger.
0: Gene basically says that Hogan will definitely be here tonight. And I'm like, you changed your fucking tune from the Bret Hart interview. <laughs> yes, you did. DDP ends with his bada bang line, and um, it was a largely unnecessary promo, but it was, it was a little bit of fun. It was and funny. I, I liked the banner between Gene and DDP.
1: Never forget, DDP has a hot wife, and her name is Kimberly.
0: We then get a recap of the setup for last week's mask versus hair match, which prompts that match: it's mask Ooh. versus hair, psychosis versus Billy Kidman. I
1: was so hyped for this match.
0: And there is a barber chair on the stage, and a barber who we see various <laughs> shots of him throughout the match. He is raring to go, man.
1: He is standing there menacingly.
0: So the two men brawl around the outside to start. Kidman hits a head scissors and then Psychosis ducks an attack from Kidman and Kidman crashes to the floor. We get a springboard acai moonsault from Psychosis. And then back inside, Kidman counters a top rope dive with a dropkick. Kidman tries to remove the mask early on, but Chavo and Hoovy come down to stop him. Psychosis hits a DDT and then a dropkick to a bent over Billy Kidman. Shortly thereafter, Psychosis hits a top rope Frankenstein,er and then drops Kidman on the top rope and hits a diving spin kick to Kidman's face. <laughs> That's Ki- a
1: good move.
0: Kidman gets fired up, hits a flurry of punches. He then hits a sky high and, and slides through Psychosis's legs, but Psychosis drop kicks Kidman's knee. Psychosis then follows that up with a front falling suplex from the second rope. It was like, ooh, it looked pretty impactful. Mm-hmm. Kidman calls for a shooting star press, but Hoovy pulls Psychosis out of the ring, getting him out of dodge. Chavo then comes in and hits a tornado DDT on Kidman behind the ref's back, but Kidman kicks out. Kidman pushes Psychosis into Chavo and rolls up Psychosis, but Psychosis kicks out in a nice near fall. Yeah. The ref gets distracted again, and Hoovy comes in and just hits a Hoovy driver on Kidman, and it's like, oh shit, he's like, that's it. It's
1: going to be the end. They're going to lose his hair. But
0: Kidman kicks out again. (sighs) And then, and not the wisest choice for him, Psychosis goes for a powerbomb.
1: Fool! Have you ever watched this man wrestle?
0: We got a facebuster psychosis, and then Billy Kidman hits the shooting star press and gets the win. Post-match, the heels attack Kidman, but Kidman removes Psychosis' mask with, with a tornado DDT. <laughs> Filthy animals come out to make the save, and I feel like we never really got a great look of Psychosis unmasked.
1: I got enough of a look to know that he's kind of cute. Yeah. He's kind of cute. This match was good, but it wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. It was still a good matchup of like, you know, I like these guys. It definitely wasn't bad, but it wasn't what I wanted it to be.
0: It did succeed, in my opinion, of putting Billy Kidman over because he yeah. looks like a world beater here of you you did both like, okay, like this makes sense for him to lose in a bullshit mm-hmm. way. It's like, no, he kick he kicks out. Yeah. Didn't really make psychosis look great, in all honesty.
1: But again, it didn't make him look bad. Yeah. There was a point where Chavo puts a towel over Psychosis' face to like, you know, cover his identity. I don't know how, but the towel gets thrown off of him.
0: Yeah, like he he goes to sell, and it like it, it just flies off.
1: The towel flies off of him. I think Conan like kicks him or something. And the towel lands perfectly on the camera. Yeah. There's a towel just hanging in view for yeah, like you a just, second. You just
0: see it dangling off the top. It's like, Great. Okay. I love it. But no, I, love I, it. I agree. This was a good match. It wasn't a five-star classic.
1: No, and I wanted it to be better. I expect more out of these men.
0: I wonder if us kind of knowing that Kidman wasn't going to lose definitely hurt it a little bit.
1: No, oh, I mean, I never really lost faith that Kidman might lose, because it's not like he has a lot of hair. Like, it's thin. He can grow that back out pretty quick. Like, psychosis losing his hair would have been way more interesting, because that, like, he has a fuck ton of hair. Yeah. That takes years to grow. Kidman, I feel like he could just get that back in, like, six weeks.
0: More than that. He, yeah? His hair is, like, to his shoulders.
1: It, it's, like, down your neck to your shoulders. It's not really, like, flowing to your shoulders. I don't know, I think that could have grown back pretty quick.
0: Well, let's head towards our main event. We get the heels walking through backstage, and then they awkwardly stop when they get to the end, and DDP is like, you know, oh, we got a red light. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. It's like,
1: oh just calling like, out the business. S-
0: screwed that up. And then we see Ric Flair walking backstage, who has to repeatedly tell the camera to get out of his way. We don't see yeah, Brett seriously. walking.
1: Back off camera. Yeah, we do not see Brett walking. He's
0: in the match, so no no real story there. But who we do get is- It's Mi-
1: Michael Buffer time. Yeah,
0: Michael Buffer's back. I
1: haven't had Michael Buffer in a while. I'm wondering if it's because it's Atlanta.
0: Yeah. They're
1: well, like pulling out all the stops.
0: Yeah, about yeah. I mean, they're pulling out the stops, but like, I don't think he's from there.
1: No, but it's WCW.
0: So we're at our main event. It's Sting, the total package, and Diamond Dallas Page versus Ric Flair versus Bret Hart. Michael Buffer does call him the total package. I was so ready for fucking Buffer to not. It's Lex Luger.
1: Michael Buffer also calls Lex, the total package, whatever, the former world wrestling man who has it all. (laughs) What?
0: Oh, and just to add to Bret Hart's night, uh, they come out to Ric Flair's theme. Flair and Sting start. We get a press slam to Flair, and Sting misses a Stinger Splash. Flair distracts the ref, and then low blows Sting. Sting pokes Flair in the eyes and then tags in the total package. Flair tags in Hart, who works over the total package with his signature moves, and then locks in a sharpshooter, but DDP stops it. This prompts a long sequence of the heels starting to work over Bret Hart. Sting hits a dropkick to him, and then Flair grabs Sting by the hair on the apron, and the other two heels come in and like just work over Hart for a little while. Double clothesline with Hart and Sting, and then we get a kinda hot tag to Flair? Like, it wasn't built great? It was
1: like a lukewarm tag.
0: Yeah, Flair manages to hold off all three men with chops and then throws Sting to the floor. Rick hits a back suplex and then signals for the figure four. And he just kind of stops as Brett starts fighting off the other two men on the floor. And it's like, okay. So, so then he puts it back in. On the outside, Liz, who I don't think we know what it was here, she hands the total package, the baseball just, bat. You can
1: call him Lex, it's so much easier.
0: He chokes heart with the bat as Flair has Sting in the figure four. GDP punches heart as heart starts bleeding from the mouth.
1: Mm. Very clearly popped a blood capsule. Very clearly.
0: Total package goes inside, hits Flair with the bat for the DQ. And fairly quickly, like they, they kind of start beating down Flair. David Flair comes out to make a save. Yeah. Um, of all
1: the people to run out during a DQ where Hogan is anticipated to run in, did not expect David Flair to run in.
0: We then go backstage very suddenly, and not only is the ambulance he, like back, it's now empty.
1: So here's the thing. We never got confirmation that that ambulance went back to the hospital. It could have just been driving out of the parking lot, but have been around to be available later down the show. It's not out of the realm of possibility that there is a ambulance on site for something else happening. It's not crazy to think that this ambulance did not go back to the hospital and then come back.
0: Regardless, but Hogan's here. Yeah. Well, back in the ring, we get a Scorpion Deathlock to Bret Hart, a Torture Rack to Ric Flair, and then a Diamond Cutter to David Flair. Everybody starts getting worked over with the bat until Hogan limps to the ring and fights off everyone single-handedly. He gets the bat and actually like hits the total package across the chest, hits DDP with it, but Sting gets away. You know, he's just so much better than everyone else is really what it is.
1: Yeah, Roman Reigns really should like just win all the matches, shouldn't he? I mean, sorry, Hogan, fuck.
0: WrestleMania 39, Hulk Hogan versus Roman, Roman Reigns, Reigns, brother. God, I
1: wouldn't no, never. I sign off of all wrestling. I will never.
0: Ric Flair's real last match is I retire. Be against Roman Reigns.
1: I retire as a wrestling fan if that happens. This
0: match was, was alright for what it was.
1: I honestly kind of enjoyed it. I yeah. did not miss Hogan. Because like there was there was good offense and defense from both sides. The DK finish was kind of a bummer, but it was absolutely predictable.
0: Yes, this match legitimately is better for not having Hogan in it.
1: Oh, yeah. I did not miss him for a second.
0: Luger did better than I thought he would.
1: I also called him Terry as he limped down the ramp. (laughs) Here comes Terry.
0: But, yeah, I mean, everybody here can go. Yeah. Uh, Enough. Enough. And they're like, folks, we're out of time. But apparently we're not, because then we go backstage for one final bit. Sid's car has been destroyed.
1: Flattened.
0: Sid jumps on top of it, and I'll just play the, the quick little clip of him just crying out. Oh my God! What happened to my car? Go back! Where are you? Go back! Go, back! Go, back! Go back! I love how camp this was.
1: <laughs> it was very camp, you're right.
0: This did feel like a little bit of knockoff Steve Austin.
1: Oh, absolutely! I've I've been saying since the beginning that they're trying to liken, at least in looks, Goldberg to Steve Austin, and they've changed it up in like character. Obviously, they're not the same character, but now with the like the backstage sort of gimmicky stuff, now I think they're trying to do it more.
0: Yeah, I think they're trying. They're trying to make him like fun, and it's yeah, it's not really. They're trying to make
1: Goldberg the WCW Steve Austin.
0: Yeah, (laughs) this is not the last we'll see of. Of Goldberg, Sid, and Cars, because <laughs> I thought this was the 22 episode, which doesn't mean anything to Emily.
1: Goldberg and Sid are in cars? Yes. Who do they voice?
0: It's from a it's from a deleted scene.
1: Yeah. Do they voice the White Hummer brother?
0: <laughs> oh Christ. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the whole thing in cars too.
1: You wouldn't know that. We don't watch that
0: one. I've seen Cars too.
1: I've seen it too. Oh, horrendous. Anyway.
0: Uh, this show was not horrendous, though
1: it really wasn't actually
0: yeah, fairly decent nitro,
1: a couple of stinkers halfway through, but you know,
0: yeah, did not serve to get killed in the ratings like, like it did, but right, but for Halloween Havoc being, I guess, still in a few weeks, doesn't feel like they're headed towards a lot of logical places, no, a Lo- lot of spinning of wheels.
1: Halloween Havoc is still what four weeks away at this point. And they're already building up matches for it, which like is great in you know a vacuum, but what are they going to do for the next four weeks? Yeah,
0: there are three more Nitros in between okay. now and then. But let's close this out with Best Bit and MVP. Emily, what you got for Best Bit?
1: I don't think my Best Bit's going to come as a surprise. It's the fucking phone call. It's the Tory phone call. That is the best bit of this show. David <laughs> Flair's dreams getting crushed where his hot girlfriend is leaving him for a better man. Yeah, I love it. Best fucking bit. <laughs>
0: I'm gonna go with the Dean Ray match. Yeah, I figured you would. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's funny. You would you're talking to me beforehand about I, like, I don't know what I'm gonna pick, and then I I saw that in my notes and I went, oh, I do. Yeah. Uh, Emily, who was your MVP?
1: Oh, I gave it to Ray. I couldn't let that match go without like acknowledging it in some way. So yeah, Ray is the MVP. Damn good wrestling.
0: I actually gave mine to Billy Kidman. I thought he oh he looked great in his match and it, as I said before he looked like a world beater in his match and put on a good performance and,
1: and he got the girl
0: yeah what a guy and he got the girl for real too
1: for real for a little while damn that man <laughs> he didn't get her forever
0: more than any of us will get her for that's true but that's gonna do it for this episode of the butts in the seats podcast next up the October 4th, 1999, Monday Nitro. Listen,
1: I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to want to die during that episode.
0: Oh, em- Emily, why is that? Well,
1: there's a big old spoiler in the thumbnail on Peacock of who returns at the October 4th, 1999
0: Nitro. Do you want to uh, spoil it for them as well? Or
1: Well, yeah, I'll tell them what the, pe- what the Peacock uh, thumbnail is, because that's not really a spoiler. You can go find that. The Peacock Spoiler... In the thumbnail, you see two men walking down the rafters with sodas and nachos no, in their it, hands. No, it's beers. You're right. Sorry. Beers. Obviously beers. Two men walking down the rafters with nachos and beers. These two men, Nash and Hall. they returned. They're back.
0: Bunch of outsiders.
1: I want to die.
0: Ugh, well, to be fair, we did know Nash was coming back soon because not next week. The week after we will be um, chatting a little bit about The Last Thunder before Vince Russo coming in because apparently a little famous for its not giving a fuck Kevin (laughs) Kevin Nash commentary. Oh, no. Just shooting on everything and everyone all night.
1: Okay. Well, that's that's coming up soon.
0: Until then, you can listen to all of our back catalog on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Butts in the Pod, which yeah, you should be able to find our uh, Heart Foundation jacket photos on there. Yeah. And then follow us on Facebook at the Butts and Seas Podcast. Emily, any uh, closing thoughts before we get out of here?
1: No, I don't think so. I'm, um, you know, I I need to watch some good wrestling, honestly. Yeah. Not right now because we've done so much wrestling this weekend. But I need to watch something that doesn't make me want to die.
0: Yeah, we were going to record right after Clash of the Castle, and we're like, no. no. we literally
1: had, like, depression cuddles in bed. We were just laid in bed, and I think I cried. I don't know. Not because of the show, but just, like, I want to die. One last note. One last note. I'll end this on. After the horrendous finale of Clash of the Castle, I immediately left the room and went and took a shower. Three minutes into my shower, Nick comes into the bathroom and goes, Emily... I can't explain this more, but they're doing a duet of American Pie in the Ring. I'm like, what? And then he leaves and he comes back and says, now they're singing Don't Look Back in Anger. I'm like, what the fuck are you watching? And that's wrestling.
0: Listen, it was it was no Austin Rock singing Margaritaville.
1: <laughs> Let's wrap this up. We're done. Yeah,
0: go go watch some good wrestling, everybody. Don't be like me and, and watch one night only afterwards too. <laughs> I don't think I got anything else for you, so... Till
1: next,
0: Til next time. Thanks for listening to the Bust the Seats podcast.
1: Bye. <laughs>